We're going to turn to Luke chapter 2. If you want to get there in advance, hopefully we've got the words up on the screen. And I couldn't resist. I tried, I tried, I couldn't resist. But how many of you enjoy Christmas cracker jokes? Anyone like a Christmas cracker joke? How many can't stand Christmas cracker jokes? That was about two on each camp. The rest of you don't seem to mind. So therefore, let me give you a couple just to warm you up, get you ready for the Christmas cracker puns. And they're all equally as bad, I should warn you in advance. What do you get if you eat Christmas decorations? Anyone heard that one? Tinselitis. It's very bad. It's very bad. Um, they're all equally as bad. I'm trying to pick one here. What did Adam say the day before Christmas? I'm talking about Adam and Eve. It's Christmas Eve. What happened to the man who stole an advent calendar? He got 25 days. Not as good, okay, fair enough. Why are Christmas trees so bad at sewing? They always drop their needles. Oh, not so good, all right. Here's one for the musicians. Last one. We won't endure anymore. This was courtesy of Alan Guy, actually. He passed this on this morning. He says, you need to incorporate this, your Christmas humour, just to dob him in. He said, what is the Christmas chord? Musicians, Jesus. 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 So you can thank him. You've been enlightened. But we have something far more important to do, far more joyful far more worthy of celebration. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about his birth and his coming. So if you haven't already, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Lord, Christmas is so many different things to each of us. It's traditions, it's symbols, it's layers and layers of different meaning. But Lord, I pray that in the midst of a world that's increasingly busy and hectic and chaotic and crazy, as we gather on this Christmas Eve, as we point our hearts and our lives towards remembering the greatest event in human history, God becoming flesh and tabernacling, dwelling among us, coming as our Savior to live and to die, not just to make a way, but to become the way for us. Lord, would you cut through all that so often distracts and distorts and confuses and help us to see clearly Jesus. Give us eyes to see. Give us understanding. Lord, show us the greatness and the glory of who you are revealed in the person of Christ. May we see him this day. May we love him more. May we become more like him. May he always and ever be the center of all that we do. We love you, Jesus. We're here to worship you. We're here to meet with you, our King, our Savior, the Lord of Lords, the lover of our souls. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. It's always interesting to preach on Christmas, isn't it? We read passages that are sometimes so over-familiar that we almost take them for granted. And we've got the over-familiar passages overplayed by layers of traditions and trappings that come with Christmas that sometimes do distort and dilute the meaning. But the center of it all 
is one thing. And that's what I want to point us to this morning. It's Jesus. It's Jesus coming. So let's read from Luke chapter 2. There's one particular thing I want to bring to our attention this morning. It says in verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. There was the first registration. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them at the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12 is what I want us to focus on this morning. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If you read on, the shepherds go and it says they return glorifying and praising God at the reality of the sign that they had been given. But you know, Christmas is a season of signs. We all have perhaps favorite signs of Christmas. There's the lights. Anyone go and see some lights this year? We have, of course, Christmas carols. There's decorations. There's inflatable reindeer, which are probably better off shot. Turkey and ham under the tree. Presents. There's the credit card balance to prove that it all happened. I'm not saying they're all good signs, but it's a season of signs. And in fact, the Christmas story itself The biblical account was a season of signs, wasn't it? There was angels, there was the glory of the Lord shining around, there was stars in the sky, there was wise men. There was many signs, but in the midst of all the signs, as the angel appears to the shepherd, he says, this is the sign singular. This is the sign. What is the sign? Verse 12, this will be the sign for you, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And in some ways, as you read the account, or as I read the account, it's a little strange, isn't it? I mean, you think about these shepherds, and they've had an angel. We don't know which angel. just says an angel, but he's clearly an important angel, and the shepherds are terrified. They've had an angel. I mean, that's a pretty good sign there. I'm happy to have an angel. Anytime, Lord, send an angel. It says they've had the glory of the Lord shine around them. What did that look like? I don't know. I would love to know what the glory of the Lord looks like shining all around these shepherds. They're about to see a host of heaven, a multitude, a great multitude filling the sky, proclaiming the glory of God. I mean, there's some pretty good signs. Any of us would be happy with any of those signs. And yet as the angel proclaims to them, to the shepherds, he doesn't say, look for any of these signs. In the midst of all that's going around, look for this one sign singular. Look for the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Why is it that this sign 
is important. And that's what I wanted to talk about this morning, the sign of Christmas. A couple of weeks ago now, my wife and I and some of our kids went to the carols, talking about traditions at Christmas time. Who made it to the carols? Any carols? Nobody. A few people? A few made it to carols? Yes, the rest of you, we're going to have an altar call after the service. You can come forward and repent. Carols are wonderful. It's one thing at Christmas time that we try and, and get to at least once during the Christmas season. And we've gone to some different carols, but we happen to like the carols at stage 88. If you get a chance, go along there for a number of reasons. And I should confess in all honesty that we've intended to go to the carols a number of times, but when you've got young kids, sometimes just making it out the front door is a win. Other times we've got there and we've set up and got through the picnic and endured or enjoyed a couple of carols. And then the kids reach a limit. We say, that's it, we've got to head away. But this year we made it through the entire set of carols. I just wanted to publicly acknowledge that. We, we were without our two youngest children. Mere details, never let the details get in the way of a good parenting win. So I'm celebrating the fact that we sat through for the first time an entire carols presentation. But if you go to the stage 88 carols, they always have, in amongst all the other things that normally go with carols and Santa Claus and presents and everything else, they have a presentation of the birth of Jesus. They tell the story, they sing some of the carols related to the narrative, and they celebrate Christ, which I think is a wonderful thing. It's not overtly presented as a Christian carols, but there's still a Christian message in the midst of it there. And so we were there at the carols, and at the end of this presentation of the birth of Jesus Christ, the presenter, he got up and he said something along the lines of, I can't remember his exact wording, but he said, isn't it refreshing, was his word, in the midst of a, a chaotic and uncertain world to hear the story of baby Jesus? Something along those kind of lines. I don't know if he's a person of faith, but it was a public statement that he made. And I thought, not only is it refreshing... But as the Lord sends the angels to proclaim the birth of Christ, he says, tell the shepherds to look for a sign. And I'm encouraged in the midst of everything else that goes on in our crazy, hectic world, in the midst of everything else that happens in the midst of this season of Christmas, there is still a sign that exists for those who are willing to find it. For those who have the eyes to see 2,000 years later, and you know, we could complain about the materialism of Christmas and secularization, whatever that word is. We could complain about many things as a never-ending list, but I'm thankful in this season, 2,000 years later, that there is a sign. There is a sign of a baby lying in a manger. I want us to explore this sign and not only look at what the sign is, but where is it that this sign points us towards? It is the most important sign that humanity will ever be given, the birth of a baby boy. So you ready? What is this sign? Three aspects very quickly this morning. And number one, let's start with the very obvious. The sign is a person. It's a person. It's a baby. You say, well, what's so important about that? As we read this account, you cannot be struck by the reality that this wasn't just a myth, wasn't just a legend. This was a story. We're given a specific place, specific time in human history, 
were given specific people. And in fact, both Matthew and Luke list the genealogies of both Joseph and Mary in detail. And I know most of you probably just skipped those passages. Won't ask for a show of hands. But they're there for a reason. And the reason is this. They're there to show us that this actually happened. This is a truth claim. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. A lot of people say, well, that story of the birth of Christ, did it actually happen? You know, can we believe the angels and everything else? Well, the Bible claims that it actually happened, that it is real people in real times pointing us to the real reality of a real Savior. And this is an interesting thought. I thought about this as I, as I sat there in the carols, as I heard the statement made by the presenter. There's a number of elements of the story of Christmas that people could debate, that people love to debate. You know, well, do we really believe in angels? I'm not talking about in the church, but also in the church a little bit. Do we really believe that there were wise men? Who were the wise men? Was there three? And there's a lot of church traditions around who they were. We even have their names. The star, was there really a star? But there's one sign in the midst of that whole story that nobody would deny, and it's the sign of Jesus. See, Jesus is still today the most widely recognized public figure on the planet. There's more books written about him. There's more movies written about him than anyone who ever lived. His name is still upon the lips, for good or bad, of more people in the world than anybody else. He's still publicly worshipped by over 2, million, 2 billion people, living today, 2,000 years later, after he came. I've personally never met anyone who denies the existence of Jesus. There may be some, but I've never met anyone who denies that Jesus actually existed. They all say he existed. Now, we love to debate about, well, who was he exactly? We twist and contort the sign, and what does it mean? But there is a sign, this is the point, that still is there for all the world to see. And his name is Jesus. The sign was a person. And for us as people of faith, this is why it's important. You see, our faith is not just built on principles. It's built on the person of Christ. Jesus is the way he proclaimed it, the truth and the life. And though there might be uncertainty, though all around us things might be confusing, there is a rock and a reality that will never change or falter. His name is Jesus. There's clarity in the midst of confusion. He's that simple. He is who he said he is. Our faith is built upon the reality of Jesus Christ. And see, Christmas for me, and the birth of Christ in particular, is and it should be a time where that clarity becomes focused. In the midst of all the other signs, good and bad and tradition and this and that, there should be a moment where we focus on and the signs. The angels proclaim, this is the sign. Remember Jesus. Build your life upon Jesus. God's gift, the incarnate one, God who became flesh, who lived to die and said, put your faith in me. The sign is Jesus. The sign forever will be Jesus. We will never move on from it. We will never evolve past it. Despite any rubbish you might hear going around, his importance, his glory, his worship will never dim or diminish with time. He is Jesus. The sign is Jesus. It's number one. Number two, we see in this story that the sign that we are given is a gift. I love this proclamation to the shepherds. 
such a strange group of people that the Lord would pick to announce publicly the birth of his son, the birth of Christ. But you see, as the angel comes and proclaims, he says, shepherds, I have good news of great joy. But he doesn't give them a list of what they must do. It wasn't a conditional proclamation. You say, well, there's a savior. And if you will just work a little harder, if you will just tidy yourself up, if you will just get to this certain place, then you too can enter into the celebration. It was, it was not at all about what they must do. It was a proclamation of what? Of what he had already done. Right from the beginning, he says, this is a gift, a message, a sign of grace, of the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God. What had the shepherds done to deserve this? From Scripture, we read absolutely nothing. What had anyone at this particular point in time of history done to deserve this? Absolutely none. Galatians says, when the fullness of time had come, was God's purpose, was God's moment. On that moment, he sent forth the greatest gift, a gift of grace, a gift of a savior. See, grace is incredible. I remember it was about this time last year, and I was chatting with my brother-in-law who lives up in the northern suburbs of Canberra, and he was so overjoyed. He just was bursting with something. I said, what's, what's going on? He said, you're not going to believe this. This is like the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. It's a true story. He was walking down his suburbs. I think he was walking his dog, just minding his own business. It was a day or two before Christmas. And out of nowhere, this guy pulls up, fancy-looking car, winds down his window and says, I've got a gift for you. He didn't know this guy. He's got no idea who this is. He thought, what sort of a gift is this? Do I want to take this? Is there police involved? I'm not sure. But it was a sum of money. So he said, okay. He took the gift and this guy just drove off. And he was so impacted by this gift of money. And it was, I forget the exact amount. It was a few hundred dollars. It wasn't a huge sum of money. But for no reason, this guy had come out of nowhere. For some reason, picked him out to give him a gift of cash. And he couldn't get over it. This is amazing. Who would do that? Who would just give me a few hundred dollars as I was walking the street with my dog? He didn't stop talking about it. And, and I tried. I, I did it subtly. I probably should have done it a bit more overtly to talk about the real gift, the gift of grace, of a savior. But you see, grace is that good. You and I may not be the choice of the world ever, but we are the choice of God the beneficiaries of his gift of grace. That's what Christmas is all about. It's a person, the Savior, given as a gift. Freely receive the gift of grace. This is the grace that changes, that transforms, that turns the world upside down. And yet it cannot ever be earned. You cannot work for it. You cannot strive for it. Don't even try. You'll only mess it up and get in the way. It's a gift that's given to be received. And finally, this is a gift that is an invitation. It's an invitation. It's a person and it's a gift and it's an invitation. The shepherds were invited into this story of grace, this story of the birth of Messiah. It wasn't just so they could enjoy it from a distance. He said, unto you, you're invited into the story. You're invited to come and see. This is the sign. Go and find the sign. If you read on the story, it says they rushed. I don't know what happened to the sheep. We never find out. But they weren't interested. They were interested in obeying this invitation into the glorious story 
of the grace of the Savior of the world. See, this is an invitation to find Jesus where? I'm sure up, up to this point, they were thinking, well, this is incredible. Un, un, unto you, the shepherds here, is born this day in the city of David. A Savior is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign of baby. Okay, to there it makes sense, doesn't it? A baby found where? In swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Where is this invitation of grace found? It was found in the ordinary of the shepherd's life. And they were to go and find the sign in the ordinariness of a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. This is one instance as the angel comes, proclaims. I mean, I love, I love the word of God. I, I love it passionately. But I would just love if there was a couple of these bits where there was something you could click on, you know, a Facebook Live or a YouTube clip, or I just want to see it in action. Like, how did this happen? Words just don't quite seem to do this story justice. But I imagine this angel, you know, thinking that they have been in the presence of God, that the angels are there 24-7. They've seen the glory of the uncreated one, the God who flung the stars into place, the Lord of all eternity, this God that they worship and adore. And all of a sudden, God has become man. And being born in a manger. What are they thinking? What are the angels thinking? Forget the shepherds for a minute. What's the angel thinking as he brings this news? Is, is he in just amazement? Is he in just this sense of uncertainty? What on earth is going on here? Who would have thought that this would happen? How is it that God himself can become a baby and be born in a manger? Is he telling them with an urgency to say, you've got to get this? This is so far outside anything that you could possibly have thought or imagined. God has come himself as a savior. Is he telling him with joy? I mean, it says in 1 Peter, the angels look on at this whole work of salvation and they look on in wonder. They're trying to figure this. I mean, they've seen the whole picture. We sort of take for granted at times, don't we, the birth of the baby Jesus, forgetting the big picture of what it is and what it cost our Father in heaven. See, it's an invitation to find Jesus, the God of the heavens, in the midst of the ordinary. And there's this reality to the Christmas story that all of this occurs in the midst of ordinary life. Every time I read this story, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that the story surrounds real people living in a real world who had real problems. Anyone got real problems? I got some good news. See, not only was it ordinary at times, but at times it was disorganized and even chaotic. All of a sudden, there's a census. Mary and Joseph have to head off, long journey. She's heavily pregnant. The baby comes. There's no room at the inn. They're born. The baby's in a stable. There's swaddling cloths. I mean, if ever there was a moment for divine sovereignty, surely it was here. Surely it was this moment, this moment that had been planned before eternity. From eternity past. Surely God would say, well, we've got to get this right. We've got to organize this. We've got to make sure there's no census, no traveling on donkeys. We've got to make sure there's room at the inn. We've got to make sure every detail is perfect. Which, of course, it was. But the reality is that God did not bypass the real world and real people with real problems just to plan his Christmas story. 
He came into the midst. He's that much wanting to be a part of humanity that he comes to be a part of our story. And I, I love to always put myself in the shoes of some of the different Christmas characters. I always feel for Joseph. Anyone like Joseph in the story? I mean, maybe it's because he's a little bit easier to relate to than the Virgin Mary. That's a struggle for me to get that one. But Joseph I can relate to a little bit. And I like Joseph for this reason. You see, look at all the different characters and Mary gets a visitation from an angel and the wise men get a star that leads them. The shepherds, they get the host of heaven, they get the glory of God. What was Joseph's grand invitation into this plan of God? What was it? The Lord's grand invitation into his majestic plan was that Joseph found himself in the middle of a problem. All of a sudden he had his life planned out and he found out that his wife-to-be was with child. He found himself in the midst of a problem. If I was Joseph, I would have a few questions. God, what is going on here? I did not plan this for my life. And it's interesting as he seeks the Lord out. So his first impression, his first decision was to just do quietly away with Mary. And yet he made the decision, now I've got to seek the Lord. I've got to get the Lord's will in the midst of my problem. And so often I think we abort the purposes of God by just thinking out of our natural mind too quickly. He says, I'll seek the Lord. And the Lord speaks to him, never gives him an explanation but gives him an invitation to participate. Sends an angel, and the angel says, Joe, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do not be afraid. Doesn't explain why it happened. Doesn't explain any particular part of the, the big picture. He says, Joe, you've got to trust me. Joey, Joseph, trust me. Wasn't an invitation to solve his Every question why, it was an invitation to participate in the greatest story that ever happened. You see, so often problems are invitations to his purpose. But what I really want us to focus on is that he is a God who comes into the midst of our ordinary. And he gives us the same invitation. He doesn't always say, here's an invitation to explain everything. We don't need to understand fully to obey Immediately. It's an invitation to participate with him in this story of grace. He comes so completely into the midst of our lives, even our problems. He's not afraid of the mess and the uncertainty. He says, I am Emmanuel, the God who is with you and will always be with you. The word become flesh to tabernacle, make his dwelling place among us. See, when we are discouraged, disappointed, when we're broken in the heap, the bottom of our problems and our failures, He is the God who loves to meet us right there. That's the place of grace. He doesn't say, go and figure it out, and then come back and we'll talk about things later. He does His greatest work in the midst of greatest darkness and greatest brokenness. Not because we deserve it, not because we could ever earn it, because that's who he is. And that's the story of Christmas. I want us just to stand as we conclude our time together. You just close your eyes. 
And I want to bring this time to a conclusion very intentionally, just to point us back to the sign of Christmas. The sign of Christmas. This is the sign. A baby has been born. A saviour. The saviour of the world. Your saviour. My saviour. Unto us. Grace has been given. Even though we could never earn it, we could never deserve it. And unto us, each of us, there is an invitation to look to Him this day. And as we just reflect today, tomorrow, in the midst of all of the signs of Christmas all around us, the lights, the family, the food, it's my prayer that we would see that have that clarifying moment of yes this is the sign of Christmas this is what it's about it's about Jesus it's about his grace it's about his invitation to me today and each and every day to know him to find him to worship him and to become a part of his incredible story of grace So, Lord, it's my prayer as we have read from your word, as we've reflected upon what this season is. I do pray for each of us here this morning, even now in this moment. Lord, would you cut through the distractions? Would you cut through even the discouragements, the things of this year, the things of this week? And would we see clearly the gift that you've given to us? the gift of your Son, the gift of grace, an invitation to yourself. We want to see you, Jesus. We want to love you. We want to know you. We want to honor you this day and each and every day. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.